We are walking our way through the Bible. Uh, each Sunday we take a book. Now you can't do all the stories in a book in, in one 25 minute or so thing. So um, what do we do? We take a theme out of it. We start the book of Kings today, First Kings. And it's, uh, it's amazing because it starts well. You have a king uh, who is well-loved, well-respected, had a lot of victories. Israel seems to be a mighty nation, doing well. The king has flaws. There's no question. Serious, deep flaws. But he's a man in pursuit to the heart of God. And yet, it ends, the book ends, with a nation that's split into two warring nations. Families broken up. Both of the warring nations now heading toward captivity. The temple of God that's built in this book with such great pomp and detail is deserted, destroyed, gone dark at the end. So what happened? Well, it's complicated, but it's also quite simple. Remember what God told us in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. He said, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a battle taking place, a battle taking place in all of our lives and in history. And that battle is in us. It is a battle between our decisions, whether we're going to go the right direction or the wrong direction, and how far we're willing to go. It'd be a mistake to look at these books that we're reading as, as history the way we think of history. There is history here, to be sure, but that's not the point of the book. The point of the book is to show us what happens when people are faithful and what happens when they're not. The books switch back and forth from Israel, sometimes called Ephraim, just to confuse us, uh, in the north to Judah in the south and each kingdom had a series of kings and yet if you read through first and second kings and then first and second chronicles you'll find not one of the kings in the north is called good all of them are called evil and out of the kings in the south 20 kings are listed and only eight came in for any measure of well that was an okay job the Things God told us about kings is already coming true, isn't it? That the kings aren't going to be good for you. You don't need earthly kings, God said, but they demanded them, and they got what he warned them they would get. They gave too much territory, these kings did. They gave it away. Let me explain what I mean by they gave away territory. They didn't say to the Philistines, all right, you get to live down here. They didn't say to the Canaanites, you get to live over here, although they may as well have done by, the, by their refusal to consolidate their area. No, I'm, I mean a different way. And to explain it, I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. The Bible says, for though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power, these weapons, to demolish strongholds. Once you think of that word, we're coming back to that word. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You have, you have some interesting things in this country that are fascinating and wonderful, but none of them are terribly old. 
because it's a new country, really. You might think, oh, it's over 200 years old. Um, the apartment I lived in uh, before we moved over here in Glasgow, Scotland, or to southwest of Scotland, Dundonald, uh, was, was older than you. Uh, and that was not considered that old. Old was across the street, the castle that was built in the, in the 1100s. That was oldish. Old. One of the things you don't get are strongholds. You don't really see it. In fact, there was a Battle of Franklin, I'm told, by everybody. <laughs> In fact, as we drive down to Spring Hill, there's a Battle of Franklin, Battle of Thompson Station, Battle of Spring Hill. I'm looking at my wife thinking, these people can't get along with anybody. <laughs> and there's a hill where you can go walk about on it, but you don't see stronghold. I can take you down wild valleys, windswept, deep, treeless in Scotland, and say, just stop and look and see if you see them. And every so often, somebody will spy one, one tower over on that hill. Then you look over there, there's another. What were these? Well, they were signal towers for when the Vikings came or when the English came or any other marauding nation. Uh, they, they are also places to run, to get inside if somebody came that you couldn't defend against. The people of Israel knew about strongholds because even in the time of Jesus, there were times that one family or one group would take over Jerusalem but the Romans would wall themselves up in a one tower or two towers. There were actually two that they sometimes got. Other times, that it would be one Jewish group against another, and whoever was winning took the city, and whoever was losing ran into the stronghold and held their time there. They're coming out. When you least expect it, they're coming out. And kind of a reverse Trojan horse, they're coming out might be the middle of the night, but it might be in the morning when you're having your breakfast. It might be when you're in prayers on a Saturday, but they're coming out. These are towers. And Paul says, watch out. In your mind, in your life, don't give the devil real estate to build a tower. Don't give him permission to have a part of your life. There was a, an old song some of the old churches sang, and, and you have to be of a certain age to even remember this. It was a very maudlin tune, uh, All of Self and None of Thee. Do you remember that one? Started off that way. And I could sing that with gusto, you know, because it started singing, you know, to God, it was all of me and none of you. And then each verse, you got a bit less of you. And the last verse was None of Self and All of Thee. And every time I sang that, I knew I was lying in church. Because even as a boy, I realized I haven't given it all yet. I haven't given him everything yet, but the song was making a valid point. What have you held back? What territory have you put back? Paul gives another illustration here. He talks about a root of bitterness. Now, many of you might be living in homes of a certain age that you've, you had somebody once upon a time thought, we need a tree right there, without thinking, eventually that tree's root's going to come under the house. They're going to cause some issues. Too many of us have gone through pain or seen injustice or we've gotten angry, we've been mistreated or we have a secret sin and we planted a memorial tree in our head so that we'll never forget that. 
I've given Jesus everything, but this thing over here, I still want to feel angry about. And that root of bitterness is cracking everything else. Paul warns us about don't give the devil a memorial garden in your head. Don't plant a tree. Don't put up a stone. Don't give an area and saying, that's where I can still come and be angry and not love my enemy. This is where I can still come and feel angry at mom and dad or angry at my kids or angry at my boss or angry at life. This is where I can still come with my secret sin. You know, it used to be sin was always everywhere. Don't, don't, by the way, kids, if they ever say to you, oh, you know, you kids today are awful. Kids have always been awful. I was awful. You're awful. Your kids will be awful. That's the way that works. <laughs> and mainly they're awful because you're, you're not us. If you were completely like us, then you'd be fantastic, frankly. But God insisted on making somebody new. So that's the problem, right? But one thing which my heart breaks for you it really does. I love teens, but my heart breaks for you. I can remember walking with my son in a mall up in the Detroit area. It was a summer day. A lot of the young ladies weren't wearing appropriate clothing, and he's a teenage boy. He's going to see him, and he's trying to be a Christian boy, so he'll turn his eyes and look. Well, there's Victoria's Secret, which is not all that secret, frankly. <laughs> And the posters are all there. So he turns over here, and there are posters advertising movies that aren't much better. And I just stopped, and I looked at him. I said, Duncan, there's no place to put your eyes. And he just nodded. I said, well, you need to know something. I understand that. I get it. You've got nowhere you can look. It used to be that if you wanted what they used to call dirty pictures, you had to go to a dirty bookstore and in shame, sneak in and ask for it and come out. Now it's sent right to your phone. Now it's pushed at you. God says, don't give that over. Don't reserve that little area and say, I belong to Jesus except for this bit of the internet, or I belong to Jesus except for this. There's a stronghold. If you're wondering what any of this has to do with First Kings, it has everything to do with First Kings. Hebrews 12, verse 15 says, Bitterness will set down a root, breaking up the rest of you. Look at that. See that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root, you had to plant it first. No bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Bitterness grows. And friends, the problem with burying the hatchet is most of us retain a mental map of where we put it in case we ever need to go get it later. When you see the devil in this book, you see him because people gave permission for him to be there. They gave him a place. Solomon burst on the scene early in 1 Kings. He's, he's, he has integrity in chapter 9 and verse 4. Integrity means he has put it all together. Who he says he is is who he is. He's put his wisdom and he's got it all there until he started giving real estate to the devil. He builds a great temple for God, but he builds a bigger temple for himself. He gives God a lot of glory, but he manages to get more glory for himself. Marries a lot of foreign women. Problem's not that they're foreign. The problem is that they brought their gods with him. 
And they de he decided just keep them happy, keep their gods there too. He gave them room to poison everything else. Materialism runs rampant in him. He gave the devil real estate. He never gave that ground back to God. He never turned around and said, I'm sorry, this needs to be given to God. The wisest man that ever lived sowed the seeds of his own destruction and let the roots crack it all and destroy Israel. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are. It matters what you do with it. And it matters who you, who you listen to. And it matters who you give territory to. There are too many times in our arguments, we allow the devil to supply the words. We allow the devil to, to supply the motivations. We allow the devil to supply the attitude and the emotion. Don't give that to the devil. Make your stand. His son, Rehoboam, learned all the wrong lessons from dad. Rather than ruling humbly, he doubles the burden on the people, splits the country. Now there are two nations, Jeroboam in the north, Rehoboam in the south, and I know that's confusing, but they didn't think about that when they named their boys. So there it is. Judah had the temple in Jerusalem. So Jeroboam says, to maintain power, I have to set up an alternative worship system. Please understand this. The only thing that getting power will do for you is create a hunger for more. That's all it will do. Giving you power or grabbing power, all it does is create a hunger for more. So Jeroboam was willing to throw over God to keep his power. Now, does that happen today? Of course it does. But don't point toward D.C., Take a private moment and go look in a mirror. We do that too. I've taken cheap shots at people, only to realize later that winning to me was more important than God at that moment. We have to watch out. Don't give the devil room. Don't give him a stronghold. Verse, I'm sorry, chapter 15, verse 3. The Bible says, His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David, his father, forefather, had been. David had all kinds of problems, but his heart had been fully devoted. Rehoboam's not so much. Dave, uh, Solomon, not so much. He gave over some territory to somebody else. And then comes Asa. That's how we pronounce it. But I've had Jewish people and Egyptian people tell me, no, it's Asa. And I said, I can't say that word because it makes the kids giggle. So we're going to call him Asa. He's dead, so it doesn't much matter, does it? He comes along, and he starts off very well, saying, we're done with all of these high places to the false gods. We're going to go out. In fact, he even has to overthrow his evil grandmother, because his grandmother had brought in a lot of these evil gods. And he does all of that, and he does a great time. But in a time of crisis, he, he bails on God. Everything was going well until a time of crisis came. When Israel came against him and cut off his trade routes, he took the precious things of the temple and gave them to a foreign king to get him to help him, rather than asking God, what do we do now? He made a human alliance instead. 
because he didn't rely on God. God gave him a chance. He gave him a prophet. Sent a prophet in there to rebuke him, tell him to do it right. And Asa threw the prophet in jail, giving territory to the devil. By the way, that story is going to be in 2 Chronicles. It's not going to be in 1 Kings. 2 Chronicles is a retelling of 1 and 2 Kings, many years later, from a different point of view. And you're going to find some real differences. For example, in the book of Kings and Samuel, David makes all kinds of sins and mistakes. In Chronicles, he's a great guy. No problem. And again, it's just who's right in the story sometimes. But no wonder Asa failed. The people saw no reform in him. Huge study just finished. You ready? And you, uh, some of you are going to be surprised, but most of you are going to be thinking about why they have to study that. Huge study. Done over 25 years. The greatest predictor of whether kids will keep their faith in life is how they were raised by mom and dad. If, if the kids saw that we live what we say, they live it. Now, I'm not condemning those of you that did your best and had children that chose a different path. They all have free will, to some degree or another. And I'm not going to draw that line. What I'm saying is this, to give them their best chance. I mean, I can still remember when, when my wife said to me, she said, your kids never see you reading the Bible. And I said, I work for God. Of course they see. And, and she was right. She said, no, because you're trying to be such a good daddy, you play and you interact with them, and then when they go to bed, then you study. She said, they need to see you study. Duh. She was right. So we started letting our kids write the check for um, our offering. Now, we filled in the number. <laughs> Kids are really generous. <laughs> I hope they are that way when it comes time to choose a home. Um, got, the, got the feeling I'm just going to have a 20 pinned to my shirt and said, good luck, you know that. Um, <laughs> But they would even go in, and we, we had them do the checks in the checkbook and show how the money goes down and where the money's going so that they could see. When we talked about sharing to, with the things of God, we meant it. And that when, the way we lived, we meant it. We brought people into our home, called them son, called them daughter, so that the kids could see this is how we do things. This is who we are. Asa did not live what he preached, and the people saw it, and the reforms failed. And then you come to the sad stories of Ahab and Jezebel. Isn't that interesting? Nobody calls their kids Ahab and Jezebel anymore. They ruined the name. It's kind of like Adolf. Nobody kind of ruins the name for everybody. In contrast with those that did the human thing, you have Elijah over here. And then you have the human thing, Ahab and Jezebel, who want power, 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 and get, keep giving more territory to the devil to get it. Then you have Elijah, doesn't have anything. And he goes against all the prophets on Mount Carmel. And that's one of the great stories of all time. But we're going to save that for when we go back through and do a series on stories. 
right now, I know a lot of the teen small groups and Bible classes will be looking at these stories too. That's always great. I love it that they're walking through the Bible with us. But right now, know this. Mount Carmel, Elijah had nothing but God, and he won. The prophets had everything but God and lost. Remember, it's so tempting. If the devil has always said, he said it to Jesus, if you just give me this, I'll give you that. Don't give him an inch. Ahab couldn't, oh, by the way, I love the prayer of Elijah. That shows the illustration. I don't, did we have that up on a slide? I don't remember if we did or not. We do. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Um, after a long time, and we're not going to read all those verses. I know I put that in there, but we're not going to read all that verses. Let's, um, in fact, can you skip us? I gave you the wrong verses. That's what I did. Scrub that. Because we're, we're in 1 Corinthians 18, but we're 11 to 14 where he, he, God says, all right, it's, it's going to rain. If you pray, I'll send rain back to the land. Rain been away for years. So Elijah brings his servant up, and he says, you watch the sky while I pray. That's faith. You know, don't want to be caught out here in the rain. So he prays, and he goes, what do you see? And the guy goes, I, don't, I got nothing. So he prays some more. What do you see? It's clear sky. Prays a bit more. He says, what do you see? He says, well, there is one cloud, but it's just, it's tiny like a man's hand. And Elijah goes, run. <laughs> Elijah doesn't believe the weatherman. You know, we, we're one of those that pray for rain, and if the weatherman comes on and says, no rain, we'll go, oh, well, there you are. Elijah saw the one cloud and tells it, run, and they barely got back ahead of the flood because Elijah gave it all to God. Following God's orders, Ahab finally decided, I'm going to listen to God and relinquished control of his army during a crisis, gave it all to God, and 7,000 men stood up and led him to victory. Isn't that interesting? God told Elijah he had 7,000 men in reserve. Give it to God, it works. The Arameans came at God thinking, well, evidently he owns the valleys but not the hills. And not understanding God owns it all. Give it to him. They got beaten. We have to remember what went wrong and kings goes wrong in our lives. In summation, 21-25, if we have that one. And again, I changed the notes a bit. It's my fault, not your guys. There was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself, sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. Wow. You don't want that written on your headstone. I saw a home, I, I still could not, I could never find the story behind it. Whether there were just two different people buried in this grave of different names or whatever, but right by a church building I served for years was a graveyard and big letters, Plum Rude. To this day, I pray that, you know, Bob Plum and Jenny Rude died there, but I, don't, I could not find anybody in the town that knew the story. You don't want that on your tombstone. You, you want something else. He sold himself to do evil. Mark, we're going to wrap up in about two or three minutes if you want to bring your team up. When we trade our inheritance in Christ for anything else, and give that land, that attitude, those words over to our Lord's enemy, 
we're selling a part of our brain. We're selling a part of our heart. There are consequences for that. How much pure glass of water, how many drops of sewage would you allow me to put in there and still drink it? How much sewage should we put in our heads or in our hearts? How many towers are enemies in a town until you don't feel safe anymore? Don't give the devil an inch. Don't give him permission to live in your head. Don't build a memorial garden to your hurts and bitterness. Because the battle truly does belong to the Lord.